Welcome to the Thunderstock Show. My goal is simple. Discuss topics that matter to your life, liberty, and pursuit of property. My hope is that these brainstorms provide you value. If so, share the show. Today's conversation is with Nell Tice. Nell is a best-selling author, a podcast host, a public speaker, an entrepreneur, an overall interesting person. Today we discuss starting a podcast, her journey in entrepreneurship, and the most important philosophical component in entrepreneurship, according to Nell. I hope this conversation brings you value and entertainment. If so, like and subscribe. Thanks again for supporting the Thunderstock Show. Is the systems, processes, and tools to successfully make this podcast an enduring concept. One of the things that Nell and I are doing is, you know, we took Zoom to Zoom Pro. We're using things like headliners so you can audio bite. Now, what else are we using? Um, yeah. So we're using, you mentioned Zoom headliner. We're doing using Audacity to edit your podcast. Um, we're also using Calendly to schedule everything and also integrate the form in which you want to interact with the guest before they come on the show. So it's basically, it's all about automation, right? So you want to, when you first start out doing this, you want to send, make sure everything is set up, send out the invitation or the Calendly um, for that person to set up a time, a date. And then instead of integrating a Google form, like we also talked about, you can ask questions and use fields in Calendly directly to get a little information and background about your guest. So you're not completely in the dark. You can properly introduce somebody when they come on the show. And it's just like a one-stop shop. So that's all like pre-recording, all that stuff is set, you're good to go. Um, and then during recording, of course, we're using Zoom. And we're since this is your first episode, I told Ross before we started, I'm gonna throw in a couple of things that he's not gonna see coming for editing purposes. So if it seems a little choppy, that's why. <laughs> Just so everyone's aware, <clears throat> I've never successfully edited a audio video to any sort of degree by myself. So this we're is changing a, that. This is a we're crash course in policy and polishing content. So. <laughs> so by the end of this episode, you will be polished. By the time this airs, you will be polished, I should say. So what has the process so far been like for you? Are you enjoying it? Would you recommend it? Like how, how does this measure up for you? So the process to creating a podcast. Yeah. I would say that this is the first time I didn't just go full send and just wing it and start with the creating of shows. Yeah. Right. So compared to what I've done before, right. Uh, when I created a podcast, I thought I was just going to buy a camera, set it up, start talking in front of it, and then upload that file raw data to the internet. Right. It took me 24 hours of actual work to try and find everything that connected the camera to the computer, to the microphones, to the camera. And I don't even, I'm not even convinced I got that right after that 24 hours, but that was table stakes, right? So then we just started creating content. And, and this, um, I like to think of an Abraham Lincoln quote, which is if someone told me to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first 
and I had six hours to do it. I'd spend the first four sharpening the axe. Mm. And that's what we've been doing for the last month or so. Um, just getting, you know, the stage set up, making sure that the office is the way it's supposed to be, making sure the audio is going to sound as good as it's supposed to be with what microphones to use, what acoustics, lighting, mm -hmm. figuring out at least which, you know, identifying what softwares we're going to do, what's the format of the show. So I think for the first time I'm, I've overthought and overprepared what I've been doing for podcasts. And for some of you that may be listening, I've done 80 episodes before, probably 10 or 15 as a guest and about 60 to 70 of my own. And this is the first episode that I walked in and I'm like, all right, this is the, this is what we're doing. Not just winging it. So, yeah, you know, it's, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to podcasts that people don't think about. And with that being said, it's easy for anybody. Anybody can start a podcast. You can legitimately pick up your phone, download an app, record into it and post it. I mean, it's really that simple. Now, if you're looking to take it further, if you're using this for your business, if you're using it to actually monetize someday and make something of it, yeah, you want to put a little more thought into it, which is why we're going through the process that we are with you, because you are looking to take it to the next level. And if I know like you're like me or anybody else that we surround ourselves with, we're always looking to go to the next level. <laughs> Yeah. Stagnation is not an option. Um, an interesting, funny things going on in my world. Scholars going back to work in a week. We're going to be having childcare. Wow. Things are getting real. It's, it's time to, you know, paternity, the three months, my daughter's going to be three months old in a week. So um, oh, she's out of the fourth trimester. That's what they call it. And I'm just, I'm just feeling like a new season of just working my ass off. And I feel like, um, you know, having this system set up, to be able to consistently produce at least polished content. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's high quality. It's subjective. You listeners, you tell me if it's good or not, we're always going to be improving, but polished content is going to be one of the most um, 2023 futuristic. So we talked a bit about the introductory, some of what we're using for the podcast, but when I'm doing these shows as I want to talk about a little bit about the spotlight of, you know, now tell I've got to know you a lot better in the last couple of months running around these circles, but for anyone listening, just do a little bit of sharing about who you are, what you do. Um, you know, you, you do a lot, like you, you do a lot. So go ahead. Yeah. It's funny. Everybody always says, so what exactly are you into now these days? What are you doing today as opposed to yesterday? Um, so I started my full-time entrepreneurship journey at the beginning of this year in January of 2022. Uh, I was a full-time COO of a coffee and tea company locally in South Lebanon Township, where we're both from. Um, I was so incredibly unfulfilled and unsatisfied in that position. And I walked into my job one day and I said, I'm resigning at the end of the year. So December 9th, I signed a contract with a business coach, Kyle Slimaker. And December 31st was my last day. January 1, I was in this chair that I'm currently sitting in now, wondering what the rest of a, what, what I was going to do with the rest of my time. So uh, from that point on, I continue to grow my business enticing media, um, where I am a videographer, video editor. 
I started my podcast, What the Nell, and became a best-selling author of Curvature of the Career. And since then, I've myself become a business coach working with the Slaymaker Method and became a speaker. Um, what's next? Uh, radio show host in November <laughs> on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, yeah, it's a lot, but I enjoy every single thing that I'm doing and working towards. I always say I enjoy the journey more than the actual destination. For me, sometimes the destination is an actual disappointment and letdown because that means it's like, well you're also a travel vlogger yes i am a so that's a key note to understand there's always gonna be something that i'll forget <laughs> in that and that's like one of the biggest parts so of course i would forget that but yes my husband and i do have a youtube travel channel called kenny and nell and that is my biggest passion outside of what i do for what i call work um Although I don't really look at any of it as actual work, I do genuinely enjoy everything that I'm doing, whether it's editing the YouTube videos, editing a podcast, teaching someone else to host a podcast, or anything in life. I just really believe that we can all be successful if we take on that giving attitude. And I know that you and I have both read The Go-Giver, by Bob Berg. And it is an integral part of a mastermind group that we're both involved in battlefield mastermind. Um, when I read that book, it legitimately changed my future. It didn't change anything for me currently because right now is right now, but the future, I need to look at things from that perspective to be successful. And when we're all building each other up and giving to towards each other, I really just believe that's where we can all make the most magic. So there was a couple of things in that introduction that really stood out to me. One, I think you have to incorporate that it's about the process, not the destination in your travel vlogging. Cause that's, that's Ooh, relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Two, I want to expand upon your leap of faith with, with hiring a coach, you know, what that coach did for you and what you're doing with the slam maker method, like how you guys work together and then three, I want to talk more about the go-giver uh, and how that shaped your business philosophy and what that means to you, because it seems like it's had a pretty profound impact. So yeah. let's start with, tell me how you got hooked up with Kyle and the Slaymaker Method. What did, they, what did that do for you and how is it transformative? Yeah. So I met Kyle through... My husband actually met Kyle first through a local Facebook page called the Central Pennsylvania Support Small Business. And he commented on something that my husband posted. They connected somehow, found out that Kyle is actually connected to another friend of my husband's, also named Kyle. Uh, and we all started talking and there were mutual feelings expressed by both parties. I mean, the Kyle's like, oh yeah, you should work with this guy. He's really cool. And oh yeah, I know him. Like he's good people. So immediately my trust was instilled because I knew somebody that knew somebody that knew him and had good things to say. I've also started whenever I hear of somebody that I could possibly be working with, I Google the ever loving shit out of them. <laughs> and I basically we just connected through Facebook messenger and Kyle did his thing where he would not leave me alone until I responded. 
And so finally I was like, what does this creep want? And <laughs> I'm married. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So long story short, we ended up getting on a Zoom call, my husband and I both with Kyle. Got on the call feeling really, really good and hopeful. Left the call in tears, bawling my eyes out. Like, what is with this guy? Who is he to tell me that my business ideas are shit and I know nothing? And that's like literally how he made me feel. But I just realized that it wasn't how he he made me feel. It just was that I wasn't ready to hear what he had to say when hmm. we had that conversation so he literally told you you don't you don't know anything your business ideas are shit i mean he didn't or that's how me, you felt that's how i felt he okay. didn't say it in those exact words i will say that he <laughs> definitely said something to the effect of like that's a terrible idea mm. uh when we talked about my husband used to install like home theater smart home stuff for people mm -hmm. as part of enticing media um, and it was just like too much going on in the business is what I just think too many total to. services too broad. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was like, that's a terrible idea. I am at this point right now, uh, in this story where I'm just like emotionally drained from everything that I had been dealing with at my former job to hearing this, to thinking about making this massive change in my life. I just wasn't ready. I was not where I needed to be mentally. Mm -hmm. So of course, there again, Kyle doing his thing, it being absolutely incessant. He <laughs> continued to push me and say, you absolutely can do this. Everything is dependent on how invested you are and the work that you're willing to do to make it happen. If you can buckle down, focus, and actually do the work, nothing's impossible. Mm -hmm. So after coming home from a drunken night at a friend's house in tears again. I said to my husband, I said, I can't do this anymore. I have to make a change. I got to do this. I got to call Kyle. And, <laughs> and he was like, do it. You know, I mean, this is a big decision to cut out half of our income and dedicate a certain amount of income per month for a coach that you have no idea is going to work out. It's literally like a hundred percent swing the other way. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you went from making this income to then investing it, but really for any business to be worth anything, it's, it's what you invest. You, you can't invest zero and expect infinite returns. It has to be, whether that's sweat equity, whether that's intellectual property, whether that's money, doesn't matter. You have to invest a combination of all of it. Yeah. And that's what you've done. And that's what you've been doing for you know over a year. You're 11 months in full-time at least, right? Well, January, January 1, technically, I'll be full-time mm -hmm. a full year. and That's officially, but you've been playing, <laughs> you've been leading up to that with the Slaymaker Method. Yeah. And yeah. you've been with the Slaymaker Method now for, what, nine months, 10 months, 11? So as an actual client, uh, I was with the Slaymaker Method for basically six months, technically. Mm -hmm. well, six, seven months. Because I signed the contract December 9th, kind of did a little bit of work before January because I was still finishing up my job that took up like uh, how many hours a day. Um, but yeah, and then in June, I think it was 5.30 in the morning, one morning, Kyle was at an Apex conference in Dallas. And he said, get up, get on a Zoom call right now. 
And I was like, you know, and I literally did everything he told me to do everything throughout our entire coaching relationship. Mm -hmm. So when coach says, get up at five 30, get on a zoom call. I get up at five 30 and get on a zoom call. Yeah. So he said, I don't want you to be a paying client anymore. I want you to be a partner in the business. I was like stunned. First of all, my husband was getting ready for work. He's Kyle said to me, what's your answer? Kenny gets <laughs> on the zoom call and he goes, she'll do it. <laughs> Because at this point, I had been for the past couple of months thinking about ways that I can help people other than just in the media business. And you could clearly see this desire to go further, help more, and be involved in people's success. So it was kind of a no-brainer to sign on as a coach with Kyle. So tell me a bit. I mean, I feel like I'm interrogating you, but... I, this is I what love, podcasting's all about. I love that story. I mean, I'm not. Hopefully, you don't leave this no. Zoom call crying. <laughs> I can tell you, I have only cried on maybe the amount of times I've cried on one hand since I got out of like the super super dark period of full time entrepreneurship. And they were all from Kyle. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So what do you, okay. So now that you're in the slime maker method as a partner, not a customer, how do you, like, what do you do for that? Like now, like, do you two say, Hey, client a over here, you know, let's just say Ross Stockdale over here is a, is a client. Do you both like tag team me or do you, or do you have some clients in your book or does he have some clients? How does that relationship work? How does the partnership exist? That's a great question. So as you know, as of recent, we had the uh, first annual Slaymaker Method Success Summit, which was an incredible event. It was it went off awesomely. The only thing is, is that it took up a lot of our time to plan. And it was the first event, so that was, you know, to be expected. But during the course of planning this event, we really neglected to come up with a structure a system where we said, okay, you are responsible for these clients and you're responsible for these clients and, or who, like what the two of us. So basically during the planning of the event, Kyle was responsible for handling the client work and the back end stuff surrounding the event. So like all of the funnels, the automation emails, everything that people are, were getting in regards to the event and client work, Kyle was responsible for that. I was responsible, everything that you saw, like the actual media at the event, um, the videos and the graphics and all of that stuff, I was responsible for. So now that the event's over, I'm starting to get more into the coaching side, um, which is really great because I'm feeling obviously like I'm making more of an impact that way. Um, I don't regret what I did for the event, but this is definitely more fulfilling uh, he and I were just on a couple of coaching calls yesterday and we're finally getting into a groove now where we're kind of getting to a point where we understand the structure. Now we definitely need to get better with our time management and calendars and everything, especially on my end with my other business, because it's like, I want to dedicate two days a week to the Slaymaker method. Mm -hmm. But I can't always guarantee that those two days are going to work. And so we're still figuring it out. It's all a work in process. But 
for some reason, because we've been working together for a while now, we kind of get each other's notions, understand, feed off of the energies and can read the other person and what they're thinking. So you absolutely helped for a while work on the business as far as promoting the Slaymaker method, getting the marketing, the branding, the messaging, the creative. And now you're finding that that nice little inlet of I'm now working in the business. What do you really like to do? Moving and grooving coaching, helping people get their entrepreneurial journey kicked off. And that's that's I mean, it's important. It's a hard balance to strike. You can't always be, you know, who's to say, okay, 60% of the time, all the time, you have to work in the business. It's right. like, no, you work on the business when you can. And then when you get customers coming in, you work in it. Yep. I, I define that as, I define that as, uh, you know, working on the business is doing what you do for your customers for yourself. Because as yeah. entrepreneurs, typically, a problem that entrepreneurs have is they neglect to take care of themselves. They're trying to take mm. care of everything else. Mm -hmm. so, Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the marketing side of the event and everything, uh, granted, Kyle had the Slaymaker method, the concept, all the branding, designs, everything done. Mm. Gosh, I think he started in 2020, basically. I mean, he had all of that done for the actual business itself, but. Mm. For the event, all the graphics and the billboards and stuff like that. Yeah, I was basically doing that stuff. And he is, you know, I'm trying to manage this other business. He's also managing three children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we each have a lot of different push and pulls in our lives that were leading us in separate ways. When he couldn't make it to a meeting, then I'd go to the meeting. Or if I couldn't make it to one, he would go. You know, we'd always find a way to make it work. And with him and I being so incredibly different, I think that actually works better, if that makes sense. What's your big, how, what is the number one characteristic or trait that you would say makes you and Kyle different? <laughs> so Kyle will always tell you that he is the guy that is legitimately going to bring the most energy, like the biggest impact, like he's just going to be all over you and he's going to use profanity constantly. And he's just going to basically yell in your face about what needs to be done mm -hmm. and still that impact. And I'm going to be the one that's going to reel it in and be like, okay, Kyle, like, let's take it a step back here. Let's mm -hmm. think about this. Kyle's definitely a lot more impulsive than I am. Um, I think that's also one of our biggest differences, which you definitely need to have that harmony when you have business partners going on, you know, if you're, if you're both complacent, nothing's ever going to work. And if you're both in your face energy all the time, you're going to exhaust yourselves right away. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I could see how, you know, you're a bit more of the uh, conscientious yeah. one. <laughs> and sometimes that gets me in trouble because we'll have a little back and forth and where Kyle will be like, well, you know, I, I get that you want to think about this, but it's now or never. Mm. Like, we need to do it now. We need to jump on this now. And I get that. I understand that. It's good to have a balance between those two things, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there are definitely times where he goes full force without even telling me that announces something. And I'm like, dude, like, you got to you gotta bring, in, bring me in on this, you know? <laughs> so to make an analogy to the philosophy of the go-giver, one of the gifts that you give others is that high degree of care and conscientiousness. Mm -hmm. Whereas one of the gifts that Kyle gives others is that 
high octane, fast and furious. I mean, I think one of his most used platitudes in his content he creates is just go, just do it. <laughs> yep. Like Shia LaBeouf, that fucking gif that Shia LaBeouf does with just do it. I forgot about that. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, one of the things I'm very grateful for, for hiring you is because I would lean on the Kyle end of the spectrum and having four weeks to prepare for my first audio podcast because i was about to drop for those of you that don't know this nell and i had discussed all of the options we looked at the entire menu yeah. and as someone that just went through the process of choosing what to serve as a dinner for a wedding right mm. there's a hundred options and you get to choose five of that mm -hmm. of this of this list so nell helped me with with that process and basically i saved thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I literally had a cart on Amazon and on Apple to spend 10 grand to do this podcast. And Nell's like, look, here's what you currently have. Here's what you can do. It's the quality is going to be noticeably the same. Yeah. Like, so I've already saved way more money than I've had to invest to hire a coach. So anyway, that is why people <laughs> need conscientious people that are saying, whoa, 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 slam yeah. on the brakes. I mean, think it's about easy. it. It's easy to have shiny new object syndrome, right? I mean, you and I both get it. Like I'm a video editor. My inclination is to have the latest, greatest, best equipment that money can buy because that's going to help excel me into the world of cinematics and filmmaking, right? That's at least how I, I am perceived to be thinking. Mm -hmm. However, I am realistic in the fact that I am a one person show at the moment. I have a very, very strict budget. Mm -hmm. There are always ways of doing things that don't cost exuberant amounts of money. And the real, so if you've ever seen the movie Top Gun or the most recent version of Top Gun. Love that. The quote that stuck out to me the most from that movie was, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. And mm -hmm. that is true with everything. If you're a photographer and you're depending on your camera to create the best photos possible, you're in the wrong position. It is about the photographer using that equipment properly. It's about the YouTuber using their equipment properly, telling their story properly. It's about the video editor editing properly to tell the story. It, it yes, equipment matters to a degree. You want to sound good. You want to look good and you want convenience and ease of use. But if you're not utilizing your own skills to the max before putting that before the equipment, then I'm sorry, you have a really, really much higher chance of failing at mm -hmm. what you're doing because your heart's not in the right place. I love that quote. It's the, the plane's the pilot. Not the and plane, I it's think, the pilot. I think for those of you who haven't watched the newest Top Gun, you should see it. It's one of the most, uh, unifying movies i mean honestly like three times in the theater <laughs> i don't i don't know one person that saw it and said that movie sucked like i, I that would be a a statement i would pass extreme judgment on if someone hated that movie i you know what i would i would agree with that and i don't ex, i don't pass extreme judgment hardly on ever. a lot of things <laughs> right but yeah that movie was just amazing i think it was better than the first one but there's so much that we can take from some of these movies and i I don't watch, I'm not like an avid movie watcher. I should be probably, but I'm constantly watching things to, f 
for editing quality, like where like the storytelling purposes and things like that. And just quotes like that stick out to me. They just do. I'm uh I'm a big this is not common knowledge, so I'm gonna drop this little fun fact on the podcast. I am a huge fantasy nerd as far as novels go. <laughs> right. Love it. So like I'm the guy that has to taken college courses on J.R.R. Tolkien because oh. I love the Lord of the Rings, read all of the books and, you know, like up there, at my bookshelf, there's Paradise Lost, which I think is like the original fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually, that book is so old that it's made out of like lamb hide, like leather bound. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm just, like I collect books. So what I'm currently, so why does that matter? Why am I sharing this? Because what the book I'm reading right now, so like if you look at what's the most invested in television shows, it's like House of Dragons, Ring of Power, Game of Thrones. What's the most shopped or most watched HBO drama ever? Everything by George R. R. Martin. It's Game of Thrones, House of Dragons. So genius genius play mm-hmm. oh yeah um george r. r martin wrote a book i think it's called fire and blood and it was about like one of the care one of the ha- houses uh targaryens and it was like it's pretty good i bought that book after watching house of dragons you know mm-hmm. those sales were probably high and it's like a novel and i read you know first couple of chapters and got into it and then a week after house of dragons ended they're like coming soon on amazon basically that same book, but with a lot of illustrations and color and like oh. much bigger. So I bought two of the same exact book just for colors. So why did I do that? Because with creating content, like there are the top 1%, top 0.1% get all the sales. They haven't figured out mm-hmm. what, what is the, the whole thing of that book is just literally telling a made up historical timeline. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's just a plot summary. Yeah. It's not super hard. And he made it all up in his own head. Yeah. The storytelling is a superpower. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It is. The amount of, the amount of profit he made from like, we talked about in the very beginning of this, of this episode, when you're starting a business, what do you invest? Right. You get what you put in. Mm-hmm. It's not all the money in the world. It's not having all of the technology in the world. Nope. It's not, I mean, hell, if, if it didn't have any pictures, I mean, I just got the picture book because I like it because I'm a fan. Yeah. It's literally the storyteller's interest and passion and dedication to doing a good, a good job. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, it's reeling people in. So what, what is the scariest thing about living life these days? It's actually living life because we're surrounded by such negativity. We're surrounded by all of these terrible things going on in the world that we're absolutely immersed in. And what is one way that we can escape from that? It's falling into a fantasy novel or a movie or a show for just an hour a night. I mean, it's something, it's it's an escape. It's a distraction. And the more that we do that, the more that we're invested in that, the more that we can escape from reality. And it's a shame because, I mean, I don't think you or I want reality to be that way, but it feels good to be in immersed in someone else's problems, if that makes sense. I mean, if you're watching, I'm just going to throw it out there, like a Real Housewives show on whatever channel that's on, um, it's, it's a chance to escape your own reality. You might be going through a divorce, but one of those women might be going through a divorce too, but you'd rather be involved in theirs than your own. Mm. I mean, and 
the way, and this is what gets me, video editors especially get such a bad rep because if you ever hear about people complaining about how they're perceived on a show, it's always the editor's fault, right? It's how the story is being told. And yes, obviously we can be professional manipulators if we want to be. There's many different ways to do that. However, I mean, it's just, I'm getting off topic here. No, you're, no you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Seth Godin wrote a book that all marketers are liars and then cross out liars with storytellers. So yeah. one of the, the most important human traditions, and I had this conversation with Jeff Giannacobo when I was at his campsite, is people used to gather around a fire, a campfire, and tell stories. That was entertainment. Oh, they yeah. used to sit around a cauldron that would just always be on with the fire, putting random ingredients in there with soup. That was the aromatherapy. You didn't have essential oils. You had a pot of stew. You know, yes. you didn't have a refrigerator. You had a pot of stew. And people would just gather in, in their home instead of a television and sit around and gather and tell stories. Nell and I live within a mile of each other. Mm -hmm. Now, we're choosing for convenience sake, sake and to increase production quality, likely to do over Zoom versus in person. Yeah. So I think that podcast, I think that television and all this is just fulfilling the basic human desire to tell stories and listen to stories. And connect. And connect. Yeah. I mean, listening to this podcast, your hope, what are people, what's people going to take away from this, right? You want people to resonate with some of the things that we've mentioned. You want people to feel like they have connected with either of us or both of us on a certain level so that they continue to listen, right? I mean, that's when podcasting is legitimately the ultimate way to storytell, whether it's fictional or not. And video too. I mean, obviously I'm a mm -hmm. video nerd and that's like the ultimate way to connect with people and storytell because with a podcast, obviously in video, you have more of a chance to connect with like the voice in the face, but yeah, it's, you need to feel that immense connection. And I really feel like, especially after the past couple of years with the pandemic, us humans crave that now more than ever. It's funny how the pandemic separated people by having masks and social distancing and work from home mm -hmm. and all of the tech stocks that have been gaining and gaining and gaining have been on bringing people back together through technology yes. or trying to overcome this pandemic so that people can get back together because by nature, we're all social creatures. Yeah, absolutely. We all need to be together. We need to go to a campsite. We need to tell the stories. We need to do everything that we can to be social and thrive and grow. So with that being said, now, what is, at the end of the day, the purpose and the meaning behind in your transition from the nine to five to to doing enticing media and the slave maker method. Like what do you hope to achieve? What's your purpose and your mission statement? It's short. It's freedom. It's legitimate freedom for yourself I, and others. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I could expand that from just the one word, but freedom for myself, for others, for my family. Um, I, I think it's, 
really, really important for all of us to be our own individual selves and be as authentic as possible. I think, you know, it's interesting, um, during the summit, when Matt Roto was on stage speaking, he mentioned something about being a different person to other people in your life and having different relationships and having to tell different stories or perceive yourself in different ways to different people. And that gets exhausting at some point. Maybe it wasn't on stage. I know I've heard him say it somewhere, but if it's just a freeing experience and I, rather than being in the confines of a nine to five or a pay structure or within four walls that I don't have control over, it makes me insanely happy to know that I have control over my own happiness. And if I'm not happy tomorrow, that's on me. If I am happy tomorrow, that's on me. Mm -hmm. I, want that for me. I want that for everybody. I don't think that there should be any one entity responsible for everyone's happiness, whether you can take that for whatever that means to you. But we all just, if we can tell our stories, learn to understand ourselves and our stories and other people, I think that truly the world can be a better place. And that can lead to less shaming, less judgment, less everything on everybody else. And we can really just start to understand ourselves for the humans that we are and understand our choices and decisions and talk about things in an adult conversation and not be upset and have politics split us apart. I think that when we all live for ourselves, our own happiness and our own freedom, that's when those things start to really happen. I, I want to applaud that answer. That was, uh, you know, I, I would say freedom as an entrepreneur, it's it's one of those risk tolerance. People say risk tolerance, right? Like, yeah. oh, you know, do a, go take the safe route of a nine to five. But for some people that are wired, I would say like you, like me, that would be the most dangerous thing to do because you are sacrificing your core value, your mission, your purpose of freedom to have uh, perceived security. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the secure route anymore in 2022. Nope. Whether that, you know, that, that commute, that nine to five, that 401k, because one thing that the pandemic sort of taught me at least, and by being an, an operator of a business that was, fastly approaching eight figures Mm -hmm. and having to be responsible for 30, 40, 50 people on payroll Mm -hmm. is that um, the number one way to lose freedom is to uh, hand it over to somebody else. That's it. That's the number one way. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that even if you do still work for a nine to five and you're truly happy, you're truly getting everything you need out of that. That's not possible to be in control of your own happiness. That's not what I'm saying. And, you know, different people are in different situations where if you have, if you yourself or someone in your family has a lot of medical problems, let's say, you know, we know in this country, you've got to have a job to really make healthcare work for you, um, at least have the chance to make it work for you. Um, 
you, that might be the best option for you right now is to have a secure job with good healthcare insurance. And that's the way it is. And I'm not saying that this season of your life is where any of these changes need to happen for you. You know, we're all where we're supposed to be, I think, right now. Um, obviously, these things can change minute by minute, second by second. But I mean, really, truly being in control of yourself is taking control of everything in your life. And I believe that not being confined to someone else, not earning money for someone else is really a way to make that happen. Yeah, I think you and I are are in alignment on that. And to your point, if someone's dream when they were a child was to be a police officer or a firefighter or a pilot, and doing that job is freedom because you get to write your own story. Yeah. You're the author of your own story because yeah. the most what what I think separates humans from every other species creature is our ability to write, tell, and understand stories. It gives us empathy. It gives us planning. It gives it basically gives us a glimpse into the past and the future. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to be a fireman. And then they get to work for the, you know, work for the state, the local government. They're free because that's, that's their story. That to me, that's my definition of freedom is writing your own story. Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree wholeheartedly. You know, I grew up wanting to be a meteorologist on the weather channel. Mm -hmm. I went to school for it. And to this day, I'm sure I would have been happy. And because I, I wrote my own story, but that doesn't mean I'm not, I'm unhappy if I didn't write the story the way that it started. Right. Because we all have different chapters. Exactly. I wanted to be a high school wrestling coach and an elementary school teacher. I went halfway through college and realized, all right, pivot Uh next. Yeah. But also think about, and this can be a whole different topic for another podcast. Think about how we all grew up wanting to be members of society like that. Because mm-hmm. that's the way that we're led. We're told that we need to go to college to be successful. And we don't really focus. Now they may be shifting and I'm not a parent. So I don't know what happens in households with children these days about discussions with the future and things like that. But are we really telling kids that they can choose to be whatever they want to be? Or are we telling them to make a decision on what college they're going to because they're a senior in high school? Are we telling them that it's okay to be a business owner and go into business and invest money and doing all of that? Are we spending equal amounts of time and energy and money into offering all sides of the spectrum? Or are we encouraging people to get jobs and work for other people and the government? And I mean... I I love that we brought this up and I want to wrap it up. My short answer to that, my one word or one sentence answer is parents should decide if they want to outsource their parenting to the state or to their school system, or if they want to take ownership of raising their child. Yes. I know my answer. I'm not going to go into the soapbox about it, but but to be continued (laughs) to a, to a degree. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I'm not a parent, so I can't specify, but I know what I would do if I had a child. I'll leave that at that. Awesome. <laughs> well, well, now we're approaching the hour mark. 
Um, I'm going to have some video and some, some audio editing, uh, mm -hmm. until that point, hopefully there's no other surprises for me to edit out because it'll be quite easy at this point in the, in the episode. I let you off easy on this one, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate your time. I appreciate the sentiment towards freedom and all the help of the podcast. And for everyone listening, find my podcast, type in the Thunderstock show it will be live on wherever the rss.com sends it. So <laughs> stay tuned for a lot more content and uh, welcome to the Thunderstock show, everyone.